We are supported by Save by the Bell. Monica, guess who's back? Zach Morris and A.C. Slater. Zach Slater, Jesse, they're back. I can't wait. I probably watched more Save by the Bell than maybe any other show. God, I was so attracted to the whole cast. Me too. Oh, that Zach. I really wanted to be Zach. Yeah. Well, listen, the highly anticipated reimagining of Save by the Bell premiered Wednesday, November 25th, and it's only on Peacock. Now, the best part about this new series is they take the old cast that we love and then they put them together with a new cast of really talented young actors and in a nutshell Zach Morris is a governor I can't say I'm shocked to find out <laughs> that he made it that far he's under some heat for closing down a bunch of underfunded high schools so he thinks to just send everyone to Bayside and the problem will be solved again Elizabeth Berkeley Lauren and Mario Lopez star in the new Saved by the Bell series reprising roles as Jesse Spano and A.C. Slater and then my favorite John Michael Higgins also stars as Principal Toddman. It's an all-star cast. I'm so excited for this new show. You gotta check it out on Peacock. Saved by the Bell is available now on Peacock, the streaming service from NBC Universal. Sign up at PeacockTV.com to stream now. Hi, I'm David Farrier. Now, there are a lot of things I'm excited for next year. For one thing, Mission Impossible 7 is due to come out, assuming movies are coming back. But well before that, in January, a man called Eduardo Moreno is going on trial for a crime called train wrecking. That's the legal definition. What Eduardo did was gleefully derail the train he was driving in an attempt to hit a US Navy ship that he thought was involved in a giant, dirty conspiracy. I'm reading an affidavit from Douglas Swain, a special agent with the FBI which outlines the case in truly fascinating detail. It happened back in March at about one in the afternoon in San Pedro, California. Eduardo was busy driving the train. When the tracks ran out, he decided to keep going. He crashed the train through a concrete wall, then a steel barrier, then some fencing. He went on and slid the train through a parking lot, then another lot, and then finally hit another fence. And finally, he stopped. In short, he hit a lot of things, but he didn't hit his goal, the boat, the USNC Mercy, a Navy hospital ship. Officer Dylan Eckerfield was on his motorbike when all this went down. He saw it and did a U-turn and sped towards the chaos. He saw Eduardo running away from his train, looking quite guilty. When he caught up to him, Eduardo, the train driver, told him, you only get this chance once. I'm going to expose this to the world. What did Eduardo want to expose exactly? Well, we'll probably find out in court next year. But his obsession with a Navy ship stood out to me. Because this year, Navy ships have played a starring role in conspiracy theory culture. Like with the mole children. Yes, mole children. How are you, David? I'm really good. I am really excited to hear about the story today because it's one thing to just think about folks who are swimming around in some pretty fantastical 
ideas. It's almost cute, but when the rubber meets the road on these things, I don't have much empathy for the folks that are just behind their computer getting wrapped up in it, perpetuating it, screaming at people. But when someone chooses to act, what I know is, wow, they really do care about this. And then I somehow get more empathetic when they start doing something crazy, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, well, because it's going to start to affect their real life. And when you go out and commit a crime because of a conspiracy theory belief you hold, suddenly you'll have a criminal record and your family's affected. And suddenly it's moved from like a fun game on your laptop or your phone to affecting you for the rest of your life and your friends' and family's lives. Yeah, one of the saddest things I read during all of the corona news was a guy in the hospital who had attended a corona party. He said to the nurse right before he died, I really thought this was fake. Oh, The sick part of me was happy he got it from going to a corona party. And then I clicked over to like, no, man, no one. That's such a bummer. Yeah, no one deserves this. I know it's that thing if you look at it and it's like, karma, this is clearly going to happen. And there's been a few cases of that over the pandemic where people have spoken out and there's memes made of it where it's their original response is like, what a fake thing. And then oh, I'm in hospital. I'm a bit sick. And then literally an obituary headline, which is just tells an awful story. It does. It does. I don't want anyone to die from being misled or no. misunderstanding or, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <sighs> they're not being misled. They're not. They're choosing to believe in this tiny faction of what's being said. They're choosing not to believe the truth. They're not being misled. Well, but can I, at great risk, point out that it's easier for you and I because everyone you're surrounded by here believes in it. You have to really imagine that you live in a community where every single person doesn't believe it. That yeah. that It then changes dramatically. If the elders at your church who you look up to and you truly trust, your wise grandpa, they don't believe it. And the politician who you voted for, they don't believe it. These people that you trust and you love and are in your family, we don't have that. So we're, we're not overcoming that to see the truth. I agree. I just wish people would take 10 minutes to make their own opinion. If you Googled for 10 minutes, you'd probably find some other information that you could look at and say like, huh, maybe it's real. I truly believe that Chevrolet was the best automobile ever manufactured on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. Clearly the Toyota is the best. You just look at the damn data. These things go for 350,000 miles, but- but it is, it's the emotion that's torn up in it. And I think as a human, you'll always take the emotional response over some facts. So if the person that you love tells you one particular thing, you're more likely to believe that than some random cold line of text on a screen or something a news presenter might tell you. So I think you're right. Like that plays into it so much. I feel like even being in New Zealand, I'm around much less of the rhetoric that even you would see over there in the United States. So Looking at real world scenarios where conspiracy theory belief crosses over into real life, like this train derailment story we're going to talk about, those people will all have been surrounded by loved ones that have told them that they are right. Yeah, yeah. What is the gentleman's name, the conductor? The conductor on the twain. On, on the twain. On <laughs> the tiny, twiny twain. On the twain. <laughs> the conductor on the train was called Eduardo Marino. And this was back in March, I believe. Of 2020. Yeah, so it's this year, and his trial was due to have happened already, but it's now been delayed till January, so I've sort of been keeping an eye on it. 
But people became very suspicious over COVID time of these two US Navy ships that were coming in to help hospitals. So there was the Mercy and it had a sister ship as well. They were in New York at a point to help with hospitals there. And these two ships, you can perform surgeries on them. So the idea is they're dock and port. They take some pressure off hospitals while they dealt with COVID. But for some reason, in the conspiracy narrative this year, these ships have become a focus of conspiracy theorists and that there is some kind of cover-up going on these ships. What kind of guy Eduardo was? Where is he from? Where was he born? Does he have a family? Who is he? I don't know a lot about this, and I think this will come out probably at his trial next year. But he had a family, and he had been in Los Angeles for some time, and he had driven trains for some time. He can no longer drive trains. How old? He was 44 years old. Did he have any prior incidents on the train, or was he up till that point a pretty trustworthy conductor? No, nothing like this. He had just been, according to what he told the FBI agent, he had just been doing a lot of reading online and had gotten under his skin this idea that we weren't being told the truth about COVID. And he said it wasn't a planned thing when he was driving the train, but he suddenly saw that chip and he was just like, okay, I'm going to do something about this. And that's when he just did not stop the train at the end of the tracks and just like kept his pedal to the metal, so to speak. Wait, was it a passenger train or a freight car train? It was a freight car train. There was no passengers on there. The closest he came to hurting anyone, there were three people parked in cars because he crashed through a, a couple of parking lots. Oh and gosh. so there were a couple of people in cars that were like very, very lucky. Oh my gosh. I am assuming he just hits the end of the tracks as fast as the train will go. And then he starts careening through things. He goes through a concrete wall. He goes through a couple of chain-linked fences. He goes through a car park and then another lot of just gravel. And he was aiming for the Navy ship, for the Mercy, but ended up pulling up short of that. I'd love to see the security footage inside the cab because he was in there and apparently he gave the finger to the security camera in there. And he also had a flare on him and he lit the flare. In his telling of the story, he thought that would make some sort of explosion once the train hit the ship. So was this in Orange County somewhere or San Diego or? Port of Los Angeles. I wish my American geography was better. So it's in LA. Yeah, San Pedro or something. So that's where that particular ship was docked. Is it known whether or not he assumed he'd be killed in this wreckage? Because I'm shocked he wasn't severely injured just blasting through all that other stuff. Yeah, completely. I mean, I was surprised at this as well. There's this scene in that new Christopher Nolan film, which you guys probably haven't seen yet because you don't have theaters anymore. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for reminding us. (laughs) A passenger jet gently roll off the tarmac like into a building and everyone sort of miraculously jumps off that as well. And I kind of feel like it would be the same if you're in a train just slowly crashing through things. Yeah, with all that momentum. You probably are kind of fine. Like you just kind of like hold on, I guess, until it slowly eventually stops. So he was fine. Like he jumped out of the cab. But I guess if he hit the ship, I think he was willing to die. I mean, that's his aim was to have a massive explosion. Yeah, especially, yeah, if he was going to light a flare and hope that some kind of detonation happened, he couldn't have imagined he was going to get out of that unscathed. Unless he was going to sort of jump out the door and like roll onto the ground before the explosion, some heroic moment like that. Yeah. It's a full on thing. What strikes me about this story is that there's such a big difference between staying up to one in the morning reading about how something suspicious is going on on a ship to literally derailing a train 
and causing all this chaos and imagining that you're also going to make a US Navy ship, which is a hospital ship, it's helping people make that explode. Like that's such a jump of logic, which is where I think this conspiracy theory stuff becomes really real because it is creating real world problems. Yeah, he had to have thought, okay, so worst case scenario, I'm dead, or B, I execute this phenomenal stuntman move and I do a body roll out of it, then I'm definitely going to jail and I have a family. I'm sure there was a great record of who was driving the train, so there's no way he could have thought he was going to get away with it. So the guy was really sacrificing a ton to help out some cause. Yeah, he was. He told the cop that arrested him once he jumped off the train, you only get this chance once, the whole world is watching. I had to. People don't know what's going on here. Now they will. So his whole idea was just to make a grand statement about what was going on, despite him not having any grounded idea of exactly what he thought was going on in that ship. He just thought something that was conspiratorial was happening that if he somehow crashed into it would be revealed to the world. An officer on a motorbike who saw the train driving through a parking lot, which was definitely wasn't where it was meant to be. So he did a U-turn and chased him. And apparently the guy jumped off and was running initially, but then sort of walked and the officer just drew his gun. And the interesting thing was this guy didn't want a lawyer present. He just openly started talking about what his mission was, that he'd definitely done it. He'd meant to do it. And he was essentially disappointed that he hadn't followed through with his plan to hit the ship. Okay, so how did he end up there? What did he start believing in? Well, we're not going to know this until the trial, but there's a lot of really strange conspiracy theory beliefs around these U.S. Navy ships that were helping the COVID response. My favorite one is this idea of mole children under Central Park in New York, just because I really love the term mole children. Yeah. (laughs) But this happened... After this train derailment, in early April, people on Twitter just started saying that because they'd seen hospital tents in Central Park in New York City, this was clearly a rescue mission for these children that were being kept in underground tunnels under the city. So these weren't hospital tents, anything to do with COVID at all. This was this covert special ops rescue mission to rescue all these mole children, thousands and thousands of children who had been raised underground and their blood drained for adrenochrome. They were finally getting them out. And it links in with the Mercy because apparently that's what the ship was actually for. It wasn't there to help COVID patients. It was there to rescue these mole children from under New York City. But why then would they want to crash into it? Wouldn't he be like, yeah, let's rescue the children? Yeah, it sounds like he might have ended up killing all these kids that were being rescued. Yeah, that's why there's a few different theories around what was going on in these Navy ships. There's another story that mirrors this one as well, where there was a woman later in April who was driving to New York and she was live streaming And she was threatening that she was going to kill Joe Biden. And she was on the way to see the Comfort, which is the Mercy's sister ship. And she had a lot of knives in the boot of the car. And she was also obsessed with this Navy ship and revealing something, whether it was mole children or something else. As I say, it gets confusing. Like the logic behind it isn't there. It sounds like it's a rescue mission. So that should be something to be celebrated. If you're concerned about the mole children and them being underground, the notion that there was tents there to rescue them. Should is, be a good thing. Yeah, it would be fantastic. The government's finally responding to this QAnon, basically. 
There's also a chance that he wasn't thinking mole children because mole children was a thing that unfolded a few weeks after this and that he thought that the ship was there for some other nefarious means, not there for COVID, but possibly due to something else. And that's why I'm so eager to hear about this trial, just to find out exactly what he believed he was going to reveal. It does get incredibly confusing because that's the thing with these conspiracy theories. The ideas are so murky and they're changing all the time that when someone ends up talking about wanting to reveal the truth of what's happening on a a US Navy ship, what they're actually talking about is incredibly blurry and unclear. Why are they called mole children? Because they lived underground and moles live underground? (laughs) That was the idea behind it, because these kids had apparently been raised in these tunnels. I'll read you one of the reports that was doing the circle at the time. Please. So over 35,000 malnourished, caged, and tortured children have been reported rescued or found deceased in underground tunnels beneath large U.S. cities, including one beneath New York Central Park. So this is being reported by a Charles Holmseth, and he is apparently the Pentagon Pedophile Task Force. There is no Pentagon Pedophile Task Force. This is an entirely fictitious person talking about something that is only being reported on on Twitter. Mm. And yet, this whole idea of this rescue happening, despite there being no photos and no evidence, spread everywhere. I'll go on. It gets intense. Traumatized children, some of whom have never seen the light of day, pregnant preteens, deformed babies, piles of corpses whose bodies are apparently used for organ harvesting, children locked in cages, traumatized in order to harvest their blood, adrenochrome for the elites to drink were being carried out of the tunnels. So all this based around someone seeing some white medical tents being placed on Central Park. Wow. And no photos. No photos. That takes so long to get 35,000 people out of anything. An arena, if you've ever seen after a basketball game, it, it takes an hour and a half to get all the people out of there. And they're everywhere. Someone started tweeting about the whole rescue operation as well in more detail. And that included the line, that after they'd rescued the kids, they detonated explosives in the tunnels so that all the captors were killed. So just like an action film of some kind where they rescue the kids and then like Steven Seagal like lets off some explosives, all the bad people are killed. So this whole narrative built as anonymous people shared stories on Twitter. And of course, it backs up and plays into the whole QAnon handbook, which is saying that the elites in Hollywood and in politics are keeping kids locked in underground tunnels. So people instantly think, hey, maybe there's something in this. It's a real departure for law enforcement to not showcase their positive results. So generally, if there's a manhunt, the perp walk, they take them in front of the courthouse, they celebrate the great job of the FBI and the joint task force with the New York PD, and and it's celebrated. But in this case, the biggest human rescue in American history, and no one wants credit for it. They just want to blow up the bad guys and not give credit to any agency. Yeah, and it all happened at night. So that's the explanation of why nothing was seen, because everyone was sleeping at the time. So they explained it all away. Do you suppose the supporters would postulate that? A lot of the bad actors were within the government down in those tunnels and that they needed to destroy the evidence because somehow, even though the government cracked down on it, it's also the government who was perpetuating it or protected. 
Absolutely. You are thinking like a very good conspiracy theorist right now, Dax. Good, good. And it's, which is a Monica rolls your eyes, <laughs> rolls your eyes at this. Now, how far up the legitimate news ladder has Mold Children climbed? Has it made its way to like Breitbart or is it on Alex Jones? No, it almost didn't even make it past there. It was on like a couple of incredibly terrible blogs. But it went apeshit on Twitter. Like Twitter is where everyone was talking about this and where this idea was spreading. And I I just found it interesting because it was related to these Navy ships that there was growing suspicions around what they were doing docked. What's incredibly ironic. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. There There are kids kids in in cages. There are kids in cages. Well documented. And I would have more empathy for people who believed this, if they were also really gung-ho on getting those kids out of the cages, if they were just like, kids aren't safe and they're not being protected, I believe all the things, then I would be like, okay, I see you're coming from a good place. But in fact, the people who don't care about the kids in the real cages that are caring so much about the fake mole kids in the cages. I could make an argument for them. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, at the risk of angering you, because this is not my position, but I bet the defense would go something like this. The mole children are victims. They've been kidnapped. They've been stolen from their loving parents. They're American citizens. The Constitution protects them. The kids in cages are the result of their parents, who are the ones who are culpable for this. They should have never crossed illegally. They knew crossing illegally would result in this. So you want me to feel bad, but it's the parents that should feel bad. They're the ones that decided to put the kids in cages. I don't believe that, but I I imagine that's somewhat how the defense would go. The whole narrative that plays out in the conspiracy space around children is that they are like completely innocent. They're an archetype almost, right? They're like an angel baby. Absolutely. And with the mole children, it was actually went to a point where a lot of them had been born underground. So they'd never even seen the light of day. So this rescue mission of 35,000, this liberation was the first time many of them had even been outside. And talking about mole children, that's partially where that term came from, because like they're kind of blind. Like a lot of the Uh kids, it was the first time they'd sort of been out. And so that's where mole children came into things. Well, sounds like they're having fun down there. They're having sex and making babies and stuff. So it might be fun down under Central Park. I don't know. Well, I think the implication is that the bad actors were raping the teens to have the baby. Oh, no, you're just making it worse. No, I think that's... There was a lot of that going on down there. They're sex factory workers oh to create more endocrine. Okay. Adrenochrome. Exactly. <laughs> what you is can it? never. I'm mind. never going to. On my fucking headstone, <laughs> I'm going to write a, a, a grundocrine or whatever the hell I keep saying. <laughs> Grundle pants. Stay tuned for more If You Dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. If you think you may be depressed or you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious, BetterHelp Online Counseling offers licensed professional therapists who are trained to listen and to help with issues including anxiety, grief, depression, difficulty sleeping, family conflicts, and more. I literally just hung up from my virtual therapy session and got three pieces of amazing homework that I probably would have been unable to come to on my own. That's great. 
When did you do therapy? Thursday. I have it tomorrow. It's so important. Listen, it's really easy to get started on BetterHelp. All you got to do is fill out a questionnaire and it'll help assess your specific needs and then get you matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. You can easily schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus exchange unlimited messages to communicate with your therapist at your convenience. If for any reason you are unhappy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. Join the 1 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp counselor. BetterHelp is an affordable option, and Arm Cherries get 10% off your first month with the discount code DAX. Get started today at BetterHelpHelp.com slash DAX. Talk to a therapist online and get help. We are supported by A Promised Land. Oh my God, am I excited to read this book. A Promised Land covers the president, our favorite, Barack Obama, political education, the historic presidential campaign of 2008, and major events during the first term of his administration, ending with the killing of Osama bin Laden. Look, it's a beautifully written, absorbing narrative, and it's a deeply personal account of history in the making. It pulls back the curtain and shows us what it's like to be president, and it covers his early life and inspirations, his political education, meeting Michelle, and starting a family, his whirlwind campaign campaigns, including the hard-fought Democratic primary for president and his first few years in office at home and abroad. He was struck with a lot during his tenure there. The financial crisis, you know, he dealt with matters of war and peace, deep partisanship, climate change, international relations, the healthcare fight, Somali pirates, the Deepwater Horizon explosion, the killing of Osama bin Laden. A lot happened on his watch. And of course, the personal moments with Michelle and the kids, his mother, his mother-in-law, his grandfather, and beloved grandmother Toot. It's a compelling insight about leadership. It's called A Promised Land, and it is available wherever books and audiobooks are sold. Visit obamabook.com slash AE for more information. That's obamabook.com slash AE. How far up has the suspicion about the Navy ships climbed on the legitimate news ladder? In the mainstream media, there's been no indication at all that these ships are anything but what they say they are, which is there to help people. Yeah. All the discussion has been on social media, Twitter, Facebook, a lot of closed Facebook groups, that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's the danger with a lot of this belief is that people that are into this stuff aren't watching legitimate news anyway. They are just on their phones all day looking at their closed groups and learning about things like mole children and the dangers of the U.S. Navy ships and believing it. Have the FBI agents or whoever's investigating Eduardo, have they got a history of his searches? Have they learned what track he was going down? Or is there any loved ones in his life that can give us a timeline of how long it took him to get to this point? All we know thus far is that it was since the pandemic, because that's how long he'd been doing his research for. I would love to know the answers to these questions, but we're not going to get them to the trial. Okay. All he sort of told arresting officers was that he'd been doing a lot of reading and a lot of research. And that as he was driving that train, he just knew what he had to do in the moment. And that's when he just made that snap decision to derail the train. He said it was only him wanting to do this. It wasn't anyone else pushing him to do it. It was his personal belief. And it's just something he knew he had to do. Okay, now I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but a, tang? a, a side a, a side avenue, okay. a, a departure. Derailment. That's oh, pun ding, intended. Ding, ding. Yep. Yeah, dung, ding, ding, ding. I'm going <laughs> to take a little derailment here. 
a detour. I want to take a detour. Okay, we got that. So I can see myself doing something like this Ugh. because- <laughs> What? Yeah, bear with me. If you are the type like myself who has this hero fantasy, right, that I will someday do something so spectacular that I will save a bunch of people because I think the reason people like me is I'm a protector. I was just talking about this with my best friend, Aaron. There's a great line in Pulp Fiction where John Travolta's car has been keyed and he says, it'd almost be worth the car getting keyed if I could have caught the motherfucker. And I so related to that. I thought that was such an astute line of dialogue because I've actually in my head played out scenarios where Monica gets shoved. <laughs> I don't want her to get punched. I don't want her to get slapped, <laughs> but it is worth her getting shoved in front of me. <laughs> So I can pummel some jerk oh my God. and prove to her that she's safe around me. It's so important that it's worth her not being safe for me to prove that she's safe. You can't even imagine the fantasies I have oh. about my wife and children, like on a hike, <laughs> right? Like an animal. I can't wait to fight a cougar in yeah. front of them. So I think I am in search of a moment in my life where I will be on that train and I have an opportunity to demonstrate my valor and my dedication to the people I love. So I wonder if part of this guy's identity was that he was a hero and he was just waiting for the moment to showcase it. Basically, he would have found anything to at some point demonstrate this. That's just my armchair theory on what could have happened. I think that's actually a really good, because I, I somewhat identify with your strange sort of male fantasies of going out and being a hero in a situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think everyone has those moments where they're dreaming of being the hero in a scenario. And I think, yeah, if you have been reading constantly that there's some huge conspiracy happening on a ship and you're driving a train and you're like, I can do this. It's on a world stage. There's a camera in the cab that's rolling that I can give the finger to. I can light a flare. I can be a hero. Yeah. And yeah, yeah like the adrenaline would kick in and I guess you'd just go for it. And I think of that guy in his 20s who shot that mafia guy in the States as well because he believed that he was part of the deep state. And Cordy had Q written on his hand, and he was like the leader of the Gambino crime syndicate, gunned him down because he believed that he was part of the deep state. And that was a really interesting thing because the lawyer in his case was arguing essentially that he was legally insane because of this belief in a conspiracy theory. And so... That actually ended up working, and I think he was found mentally unfit to stand trial really? because his belief was so out there that made him mentally not able to stand trial. So there is that point, and I wonder if a defense like that could work for someone who has derailed a train. There's this idea that if a belief becomes so bonkers in your own mind, does that actually mean that you are an example of you being insane? Well, I could see myself using that as a defense. Like, listen, I've got a hero complex, my insatiable desire to prove that I'm a superhero. But uh, that's not a defense. That's just a bad Identity? Idea. I, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. just Supporting a bad that. idea you have about yeah. yourself. Bad that's idea. Not, they would say I was insane. guilty of toxic masculinity, probably. That would be like the verdict. Every person who's around someone like that has never been in more danger. Someone oh, who thinks yep. they are a protector and will do anything <laughs> oh. to protect at any moment. They're a magnet to danger. Yep. And yeah. it's such flawed thinking. It's also very selfish to what? be like, I kind of hope a cougar comes near my yeah, children oh yeah, that was, so I can attack it and be heroic. Uh, like I'm not unaware of that. That's why I said I'm going to admit. 
Because I know. I know it's insane. But I'm just saying we but can't here's the moment excuse I'm looking. it. We can't no. say this guy with the train, like, yeah, maybe no. a hero complex. I'm yeah, not that's trying to worse. excuse it. I'm I'm hoping to explain it. Oh, not, which is not an excuse. Here's what I'm going for. Here's what I the moment I want. I want you to be so scared. <gasps> and then you think, oh my God, I'm gonna die right now. And then I come out of nowhere. And then you're not gonna die. And then you think, oh my God, I was gonna die if not for Dax. I don't know how to roll this out without causing a fight. But the only person I've I'd ever needed protection this. from, not physically, is you. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, though. Hold on. Bear with us, David. We're going to work this out. So Monica had a situation where she was in a restaurant. She was eating by herself. And then a crazy person oh, came yeah, in. I hated that. And you were really scared. I was. T- truly. Yeah. She thought there was going to be violence and she might be a victim. Now, what if I had... Open the door right at that moment. I would have been happy. Yes, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I would have. Okay. I got to ride that fine line of yeah. like, I'm only there when it's necessary and I don't I don't manifest the situation, but I do hope that one day you'll be like, oh my God, thank God Dax was there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, what I always marvel at, and I don't want to get into a big debate about gun control or anything like that, but you always hear this idea that if there's some mass shooting or something, there's always someone that'll speak up and say, if I was armed and had a gun, I would have been able to save the day, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I would argue that unless you're highly trained, not only with guns, but within that scenario, you're probably not going to help a lot. Yeah, and you <laughs> might probably going to add a worse. certain element of chaos. And I always think about, yeah, I think you're right, Monica, like people that think they can charge in and save the day would literally be the worst people to do that job. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll straddle the line of like, I think it's a noble desire to be the person who could have ended this tragedy. Like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that thought. And if one knucklehead has a gun, then I do understand the comment. Well, then I should have one too. Because if we're going to let a knucklehead have one, then I better have one too. But in practice, I've run through the scenario where you're in a movie theater and there's a shooter. It's dark, right? So you got one bad guy who's a shooter. He starts shooting. Now you got two, quote, good guys. And who knows what aisle they're in? Maybe they're one's on the right wing, one's on the left wing. Now you've got three guns going off in a dark theater. Who knows who's the good guy and the bad guy? I, you just have to work through the practicality of this scenario. It just wouldn't work out. It gets hectic pretty quickly. Yes, it gets very hectic. But what you speak to, I completely think you're right, though. I think the thing about all this conspiracy theory stuff is that it does come down to like a very simple idea of like good guys and bad guys. Yeah. And into that scenario comes the hero. And if you can be the hero and have a chance to like reveal this global cabal of evil by ramming your train into a Navy ship, well, then what an amazing scene. It's like something out of an action film. And it's like with the mole children being rescued from the tunnels, it's not just a simple story of like maybe they rescued 10 children. It's 35,000. Like, it's so ridiculous and so far into this evil territory of, like, mass evil and, like, the fact these kids were tortured down there and they were bringing them out in body bags. These stories that people are creating are almost comical in how extreme they are. And so that creates room for a hero. Yeah, it's really extreme. Can I tell you guys my fantasy I had every single night in second grade, just really quick? I would love to hear your childhood fantasy. So my mom married a guy and the guy had two kids and the girl was exactly in between my brother's age and I. So she was two and a half years older than me and two and a half years younger than my brother. 
And I knew her from my elementary school and I had a huge crush on her. And so once we moved in, I was in love with her. Unfortunately, she was in love with my older brother, naturally. Oh, no. Yeah, it was very complicated. So every single night before I fell asleep, my fantasy was I was going to see her at the swing set. That's where it was going to happen. And she thought I was too young for her. But there was going to be a classmate of hers, a fourth grader or a fifth grader, picking on her physically. And I was going to come in and beat the shit out of this guy. And in that moment, she would realize not only was I a hero, but I was old enough to protect her. Oh, my God. And I thought about it every single night for a year. I thought about the same scenario at the swing set. <laughs> I prayed it would happen every day at recess. I'm just fucking. Was there praying. any scenario that we where you were in your real life at school and you there were any moments you thought, oh my goodness, something could be about to happen? Did you even come close to being able to bowl into that situation? Well, I'm in dangerous water here because I've tried to break this habit because I've learned from the women I love in my life that it's very unattractive. But yes, I was first on the scene all the time. <laughs> I had a, <laughs> used to get in fights all the time. I had a big hero complex. If we were at a crowded bar and there was a loudmouth asshole, it was my job to go tell that guy. And I was the sheriff of everywhere I went. And of course, I was in the right and all these other people were in the wrong. Yes, despicably so was I there. I want to admit to I will meet you a little bit it sounds crazy to my ear but also <laughs> I had my own bizarre fantasies when I was young of in a strange way kind of the same thing this is when the boys would get sick well <laughs> yeah. I just told a very embarrassing one I was in love with my stepsister for crying out loud what could be more humiliating than that well that's true so maybe this though yeah that that little that, that little voice <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, this is rife for this conversation. When I was little, that the boys I liked would be sick, and I would be helping them, nursing them back to health and stuff. And in some ways, it's the kind of the female version of what you're saying. It's yeah. like I'm there to help, Nurture. I'm there to take care of the person and the people around me. So, I guess I'll give it to you a little bit. David, what were your fantasies. bizarre fantasies <laughs> in elementary school? I definitely had hero fantasies of wanting to like rescue classmates that I wanted to light me from a burning fire. That was okay. like my big thing. <laughs> okay, sure. So I wasn't sort of beating anyone up, but I liked the <laughs> idea of rushing into a burning building and like coming out with certain people, just like having clearly like they owe, they literally owed me their life, you know, like I was it. And that was my big thing. I think in most people, and I'd argue with all three of us, we are aware that it's a fantasy and it's yeah. probably not going to be something that's going to happen. Like it's an enjoyable thing to think about. It is a fantasy. But I think it is a really good parallel to these stories we've been talking about where people can't make the distinction between what is a fun, hypothetical idea and actually doing a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's a wild difference to like go and kill a crime boss and try and make yourself the hero. Yeah. And, you know, derail a train to try and make yourself a hero. Like It's a big, big leap. And obviously, you know, mental health is involved in this, I'm sure. But I think it does still come down to that very simple and appealing idea of conspiracy theories that there is good and bad and heroes and villains. And maybe you can be the hero. Yeah. But apart from the affidavit from the FBI agent, we're going to get nothing till January. But something about that image of a train driver who decided to take this moment to do this crazy thing 
just summarized how mad conspiracy theory belief has gotten this year. And it's just something I always think of when people say, oh, what's the problem with believing in this idea that maybe isn't all that logical? What harm is it doing? I always think of Eduardo derailing that train. Yeah. 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 Or the Pizzagate guy. Yeah, yeah, or the guy turning up at a, at a pizzeria with weapons, or this woman driving to New York saying she was going to kill Biden with a whole lot of knives in the boot, you know, also yeah. talking about Navy ships, or the guy that tried to stop traffic moving over a dam in like an armored vehicle because they are trying to make a point about a conspiracy theory belief. So it just goes on and on. Yeah. Did the Pizzagate guy serve any jail time or was he tried of anything? Yeah, he is serving a sentence now. Oh, he is? For that, yeah. I don't know how long he's away for. He will be out at some point. But yeah, he he's locked up at the moment. Well, I'd sure like to talk to him. He would be fascinating to talk to because I'd be just so curious what he thinks about it now, whether yeah. he is locked up thinking, oh, no, I did the right thing and I just couldn't find the basement. I want to get back there again. Or yeah. if he realizes that he had got some bad information yeah. and had dived into a pretty terrible belief system. I guess the other question I'd be dying to ask both Eduardo and that guy is, did you think that in the trial, the evidence of what you were trying to protect all of us from would be revealed and then you would ultimately be exonerated? I wonder if that was part of the fantasy or if they knew they would go away because that kind of makes it different for me. For some reason, it reminds me of the people that have been deprogrammed from terrorist cells. They get them back here and they slowly reintroduce them to our shared reality. I've seen some documentaries about those people and I've found myself very sympathetic to them as well. It must be really wild to have your entire worldview dissipate. Yeah, and there's no doubt that these people are under stress. I mean, it's like they've got this big weight on their shoulders of what they're trying to reveal. Yeah. And they're in a pretty unusual position, and I imagine an incredibly stressful one. Have any of the mold children come forward and said, I was a mold child? None, mysteriously. Mm, There's been strange. no mold children interviewed or seen at all. Wow. Um, but we do know they're out, and <laughs> we don't know where they are, but they're above ground, and that's what everyone seems to be happy about. Enjoying some of that fresh air for the first time. Having sex above land. Stay tuned for more, if you dare. We are supported by Best Fiends. Boy, do I love games, and I especially love logic puzzle games. And that's what Best Fiends is. I'm sure you've all experienced this. You're sitting on the couch, you're binging through your watch list, minding your own business, when suddenly you hit the bottom of the barrel. It's a horror show. Soon you're evaluating how much those other streaming sites cost. Now look, it's a vicious cycle, and here's how you break it. You just play Best Fiends. It's free to download, and it's the best puzzle game out there. Best Fiends has literally thousands of levels with more added all the time. I can't stop playing because I just want to keep upgrading all the little fiends so they can reach their full potential. And of course, to humiliate Eric. That's another big goal of mine. He's obsessed now too, and we're going toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and it's really elevated my interest in the game. Best Fiends is the binge-worthy mobile puzzle game that's free to download. More levels, events, and challenges added all the time. When you want just one more level, it'll be there. Good thing Best Fiends updates all the time so you can keep playing as much as you want so you don't have to choose between binging and boredom. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Mm, 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 mm. We
we are supported by mm, HelloFresh. Mmm, yum. Mm-mm-mm. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh. It's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Monica Pladman. Yes? What did you dip your little beak into last night? Well, I just had to go a little veggie. I'm shooting a commercial and I have oh. to be in a bathing suit. So oh my I God. decided I... to go veggie and I had the Moroccan style chickpea and tomato stew. I had this lemony yogurt and a little garlic pita on the side. It was so healthy. It was so satisfying. Mm, 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 mm. Now listen, HelloFresh cuts out all that stressful meal planning and the trips to the grocery store so you can get your dinner on the table in about 30 minutes. Plus, they got something for everyone, including 20 minute meals low-calorie, vegetarian, kid-approved recipes, and more. And you can easily change your delivery days or meal plan preference and skip a week whenever you need right on the app. Go to HelloFresh.com DAX80 and use code DAX80 to get $80 off, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com DAX80 and use code DAX80 to get $80 off, including free shipping. Every time I think this stuff is settling down, there'll be a new example of something happening. Like here in New Zealand, just in the last week, I've written the story about this fashion brand called Lonely here in New Zealand. And the two founders of Lonely got into QAnon in a big way over lockdown. You know, you could sort of argue, oh, what's the problem with that? But that sort of led to issues with staff in their stores here in New Zealand. When COVID hit, the founder had clearly said that he didn't think COVID is real. So suddenly they're not providing hand sanitizer and health and safety recommendations to staff. So that's another example of a belief system that seems maybe it's going to be harmless. But when you've got staff and suddenly you're not giving them what they need when there's a pandemic on, then it becomes a problem. So whether it's like a train derailment or shooting a member of a crime family or this story in the small New Zealand fashion label, it's examples of real world consequences of this belief keep coming up again and again and again. And I like to think it'll stop, but I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, 60 Minutes last week had the man who had been fired, who was in charge of cybersecurity for the voting. And he just walks step by step how legitimate it was and how it was the most secure election of all time and how in the 16 election, only 82% of the ballots were on paper, whereas this one, it was in the high 90-something percent. And so, say, in the Georgia recount, they actually could take the pieces of paper and count them. There was a huge improvement. And he started saying some of the theories that he was being accused of floating around, that there was an algorithm that had been changing some percentage of the vote. Yeah, Dominion voting. Yeah, and that the ballots, of course, had been destroyed. I feel like this is really ripe for some action. I fear whatever that is, but I do think this thing is just kind of getting underway. It's starting to uh, gain momentum. Again, just to play both sides, I was so frustrated. And then I had to admit that when Trump won in 16, my first thought was, wow, Russia must have really had a hand in this. Well, they did. But what I'm trying to relate to is I, too, believed that there was some rigging going mm -hmm. on. I, that seemed plausible in our democracy that some rigging had gone on. It turns out that Russia didn't actually do anything to any machines or anything. There was definitely yeah, disinformation yeah. on. Yeah. But I had to admit, I was willing to accept that our democracy had been gamed. 
That's where my head was at. It's that confirmation bias where you will lean into a belief that backs up something that you deeply believe in. You yep. know, so that's what the human brain does. And if you can catch yourself doing it, that's super good, but it can be really difficult to do. Yeah, it is. It's hard. Well, David, we love you. How was your date? Was it good? Remember you were preparing for a date? Was it a nice date? Yeah, it was good. The date was good. You know, in New Zealand, we can still go to restaurants and eat out and yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah, I think it went well. I think we're going to see each other again, oh, um, which is nice. Yeah. Um, that's always a good sign, isn't it? If there's another date after the Always date. plan the day after you see us. So that yeah. we can check back in. Okay. <laughs> so this can be okay. like a twofold show. It'll be like your dating okay. story and conspiracy. And hopefully they'll overlap somehow. <laughs> Wouldn't that be? That would be something quite special. Something quite special. All right. Well, we love you. And I can't wait to talk to you again and find out more about this ever fascinating world. Oh, there's going to be many stories to tell. Nice to see you both. Yes. Be well. Bye. You too. Bye. 